First, Carl DiOrio from Racing.com uh, is with me to go through all the latest racing news. G'day, Carlos. G'day, Matty. Good to be with you. You too, mate. You too. Uh, hey, uh, Tommy Marquins uh, back in town. Yeah, Aussie Tommy's back. Well, it'll be flying in later this week. Uh, he's going to be uh, based in Sydney during their autumn carnival up until the QE2. I spoke to Tom's Australian manager, Sean Flaherty, who advised me that he has some key bookings uh, at Randwick on Saturday. He rides Zoo Tiger for John O'Shea, who resumes in the Eskimo Prince, the Group 3 three-year-old event over 1,200 metres. That horse, Zoo Tiger, of course, was third in the Golden Rose and hasn't been seen since. And he's also riding Zafulgar, the uh, Maribyrnong trial winner, a 58-kilo top weight in this weekend's listed long row plate for two roads over the 1,000 metres. His star has risen higher and higher. We, between visits here, Aussie Tom's status in the UK has just risen and risen, hasn't he? He's now really regarded as one of the elite jockeys of the world. No doubt. I was speaking to Sean yesterday and he said, look, when you've got a rider like Tom... You, you, you need people to realise that he's back. The first week it might be a bit slow, but once we see him back in the form guides, people see him out and about. He'll have a full book very, very quickly. He's riding at Subble on the all-weather later tonight. He has two rides. The primary reason he stayed back is to ride a, a listed winner for William Haggis, hoping to qualify for a race on Good Friday. So maybe take the tip there. The horse is called Alpha Capture. Um, and then he'll fly out and arrive in Sydney, I think, on Thursday night. All right, hang on. Alpha Capture, where's it running? So Alpha Capture, it's in a three-horse field, Maddie. so you're <laughs> going to have to do that. <laughs> Hopefully have to be we can brave. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So he's sticking around and, and hopefully gets a win before he flies out. Big Price uh, has got so many good horses, you, you forget you forget some from time to two, time. And Inundation's one of the, the rising stars of the stable. He is. Uh, he is uh, the sprinter, of course, um, that uh, broke the Mooney Valley track record over 1,000 metres on Christmas Eve and then was beaten at odds-on for the second time in his uh, past three starts at Sandown a couple of weeks later. And the post-race reports from that defeat at Sandown indicated that the horse was heat-stressed. But uh, the Headwater Gelding is, has been uh, nominated for 2,000 metre races this weekend at Sandown Hillside in a benchmark 78 and Ranwick in a benchmark 94. It does appear that the connections are leaning towards a trip to Sydney where Rachel King has been booked to ride, but we'll be uh, interested to see the uh, barrier draws and, and the strength of the fields before I suppose connections make that decision. I'm loving seeing a lot of uh, Sandown Hillside and Lakeside uh, pop up in the form guides with the Caulfield renovation, and we return there again uh, on Saturday. Uh, the chairmans for the for the two-year-olds is often a bit of a wild-card guide to some of the big races like the Blue Diamond. From time to time, it's been the, the race that has taken us to the Blue Diamond winner, so it's a significant race, and there are other races as well. What do the entries look like for Sandown? Strong as always, but it's a fair point you mentioned about the chairmans. Three of the last seven chairman stakes winners have started Blue Diamond favourite. You know, Extreme Choice in 216, Loving Gabby in 219, and Entaha a couple of years ago. So Extreme Choice is the last Blue Diamond winner to come through the chairman stakes when winning both events. And Mick Price, of course, trains Extreme Choice. He has nominated the last start Ottawa Stakes winner, Charmstone, for the chairmans. Mar and Eustace, they'll have two uh, nominees in the chairmans. The impressive Flemington debut winner, VC, and the last start runner-up at Mooney Valley, Some People Call Me, who was beaten in the last ride by the Godolphin uh, Amore. 
so I think the Blue Diamond market will have a, a considerably different look after this weekend. It's almost as though the the distance, the time frame of the chairman's into the Blue Diamond is better. I, I, I think it's three weeks as opposed to two weeks for the prelude. So maybe it pitches better for, for two-year-olds into the Blue Diamond. Maybe that's why the, the chairman's tends to work pretty well. Uh, um are you enjoying the, the Sandown run of, of racing at the moment? Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed Hillside and the it's just shaped, it just presents differently uh, than, than Caulfield. I'm not knocking Caulfield, but it just feels different, doesn't it? And I think we're going to get a different type of two-year-old that might win the Blue Diamond this year, run on the wide-open spaces of Sandown than, than traditionally at Caulfield, perhaps? I, I, I'm embracing the change there. I, I'm a big fan of Sandown. It's, it's my local course, so it has plenty of sentiment. But I think in particular, I'm looking forward to the Oakley plate over the 1,100 metres and, and, and effectively the, the big, wide, uh, long run in to, that, uh, to, the, to the wing post and the extra 80 metres past the line. I think that's going to be a real good spectacle. I, I'm a little bit uh, worried about the Blue Diamond over the 1,200 at Lakeside. I'm hoping that, uh, mm. you know, that uh, sometimes in the Lakeside 1,200, you can get those on-speed runners that uh, continue to keep going. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see uh, the Blue Diamond from a Blue Diamond perspective. The horse Saracena, uh, the, the horse uh, trained by Robbie Griffiths, that uh, one at Sandown in early December and I saw the jump out the other day at Cranbourne and uh, I'm keen to see uh, where she ends up. I think she'll be attacking the uh, the prelude next weekend and then heading towards the Blue Diamond and I've got her as the number one seed at the moment. I didn't realise the Blue Diamond was at Lakeside and I know you can't have everything at Hillside which I guess most people think is the preferred of the two tracks. Uh, Did it surprise you a little that the Diamond is at Lakeside? I'm led to believe, yeah, and I think that's just because the 1200 metre start and hillside is is just you know the the, the turn comes up too quickly, so uh, that that's the reason why uh, the the lakeside they have the 1200 metre start over that circuit. All right, Uh, there's been a few really nice um, red flag horses running the New Zealand over the summer, and one of them's been Legato, and Legato is either over here now or on the cusp of coming over, and we'll have a different rider. That's right. So uh, no new rider announced yet, but Legato, the star Kiwi filly, she's won five of her six races. She suffered her only defeat at her latest run in the crack a million over the mile when badly held up and still did a really good job to finish fourth. Uh, Ryan Elliott has been the jockey that has partnered her in her entire domestic career. But the rider's up for grabs for the Australian Guineas, according to trainer Ken Kelso. Uh, Kelso also trains the, the wonderfully gifted open-class sprinter Levante. We'll see her in the Group 1 BCD sprint over 1,400 at Te Rapa on February 11. And after that, she could return to the new market again, where she ran so terrifically last year, or head to Sydney instead, where you'd imagine the TJ Smith would be on the cards. You're very good at assessing foreign form. What's your gut feeling about Legato? I, I do like her. I do like her, and I, I must concede that uh, I wasn't overly enamoured with uh, Jack Winnow, uh over the weekend. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sort of sympathetic to, to what Legato could potentially do. Um, and, and Levante, curious to see what she does in another week and a half's time. Uh, I, I think with Levante, um, she's not getting any younger, but uh, she was very impressive at her most recent start. So... Uh, you know, she she could, again, play a major role in the new market. No, absolutely. Uh, 
Tatum Bull uh, has been absent from the form guides of late, and she's going to be absent for a bit longer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate story, this one. So she was injured in the minor track work fall at Pakenham last October, um, but her foot was so badly damaged that it has struggled to fully heal following her original surgery. So she's set to undergo more surgery on her foot, uh, a return to racing pushed back until at least June, uh, Bull had 16 screws and three plates inserted into her left foot and ligament, and uh, she will require that additional surgery in late March. So it's a really unfortunate situation. It's never good for apprentices to have that uh, time on the sidelines. But she has been spending her period uh, on the sidelines uh, doing studying. Uh, she's having previously completed an equine studies course. She's now hopeful of participating in veterinary nursing. So uh, I suppose the, uh, the cloud does have a bit of a silver lining there for Tatum Ball. No, there doesn't look like much of a silver lining for a situation in Tasmania where this amazing story um, of Ben Yole, who, for those of us who occasionally have a little bit of a squiz at the, the harness in Tassie, Ben Yole has a massive operation where he basically represents, seems to represent almost half the harness horses. Every time you look at a race down there, it's Yole galore. But there was a terrible accident uh in recent days involving horses uh, trained by Ben Yol? That That's right, Matty. It's just a horrific incident in the early hours of Monday morning, which uh, got some mainstream coverage. And uh, I'm going off the reports uh, from ABC News that a four-wheel drive towing horses trained by Ben um, crashed uh, at about 1.45am. Five people were in the vehicle. They were injured, aged from 14 to 20 years old. An 18-year-old passenger... Uh, with serious injuries, was taken to Melbourne by an air ambulance. Four horses, unfortunately, died as a result of injuries sustained when the horse float rolled. Um, the accident happened just minutes away from Yol's base. Uh, Yol, as you mentioned, he is uh, very dominant in Tasmanian harness. He had 63 of the 107 acceptors at the Hobart Harness meeting on Sunday night, including 10 of the 12 runners in the final race just before 10, 10 p.m., that is uh, extraordinary. So, yeah. oh, but the yeah, numbers I mean, and the accident, yeah. Just uh, So the, the timing of the accident at one forty in the morning or something would suggest he had a lot of runners throughout whatever night of racing that was, including in the last race, and uh, such as the late finish. Uh, so that, that's how that he was still on the road at one thirty in the morning? Yeah, the, the, the stable workers, I'm not sure uh, by the sounds of it, the, the, the trainer himself wasn't involved, but... Uh, Yol had 63 of the 107 acceptors. They had 11 of the 12 runners in the first race. They had 10 of the 12 runners in the final race at 9.53 p.m. Yol stables are north of Launceston, approximately 250k, so about three hours on road from Hobart. So investigations are ongoing. Police told ABC News that they believe fatigue is, is believed to have played a role in the incident. Uh, and an interesting side note to the story that a safety feature available on all iPhones alerted authorities. iPhones automatically trigger an SOS call when it, detach, it detects movement and sound consistent of being involved in an accident. And luckily, due to that SOS call being sent out and the proximity of where local police just happened to be at that time of the night, assistance was rendered within eight minutes. So, uh, look, we hope uh, for speedy recovery for all involved in that accident. Wow, that's a, that's a really amazing story, a terrible story. And if it wasn't for that technology at that time of night in Tassie, say if it was a back road, and 
you know, everyone had been badly. You, you could you could imagine a situation where they may not have been discovered for quite a while as well. So we'll actually follow that up, Carlos. Uh, thanks for that item because that's a really interesting story and we'll certainly follow that up throughout the morning and maybe in the Big V we might even uh, have a chat to someone in Tassie just to flesh out that situation and including the side story of this incredible... It's almost worrying in a way when you get someone so dominant. So what happens if they're no longer there? Like if they decide to walk away or or whatever happens. Uh, uh, you know, we've seen it in greyhound racing and horse racing when one yard has such dominance. Uh, it can be a there can be pluses and minuses, can't there, to that scenario? Well, absolutely, it can be healthy in in, in some respects. Uh, the competition, so. I, I, without wanting to preempt anything, I'm sure there'll be a massive investigation into what led to the accident yep. and, and the processes involved. So that, that's uh, certainly worth following up uh, and, and, as I said, uh, spare a thought for the connections of the horses involved and we want a speedy recovery for all involved in the accident. Last thing, Matty, before I let you go, just whilst I was on hold, I did see a, a news report from France uh, just seeking confirmation. So I'm relying on Google Translate for this one, Matty. But Ooh. it seems like the French authorities are reducing their whip strokes from five down to four from March the 1st. So that's uh, yet to be confirmed by France Gallo. But uh, keep your eyes peeled for announcement within the next 24 to 48 hours. So that's hot on the heels of Germany reducing their whip to three strikes. Interesting, uh, isn't year. it, given the impasse here between the states and all that sort of stuff regarding whip issues? So, yeah, interesting situation. Uh, Carlos, uh, much appreciated, mate. Good to be with you, Matty. All the best. Carl DiOrio there.